Welcome back to season six of Flop Stars, a season that is starting to die in some ways. Oh We're God, getting to the end morbid. of the year. <laughs> we are getting to the end of the year. We've finished all the albums that we had planned for this season, but we're going to do lots of weeks of raps for you talking about the end of the year, what our favourite tracks have been, what our least favourite tracks have been, who flopped, who didn't flop. We're going to pack it in. And to start it off, we're going to do an episode that focuses around the Spotify wrapped um, end of year lists because obviously I have one, Nick has one, and I think it's a good starting point to launch into what the year looks like for music for us. So without further ado, here is my co-host, Nick Kelly. Yo, can you tell that we're... Well, I don't want to say that I'm not a Apple Music user because I use it exclusively to listen to the radio stations on it because I'm a nerd. Um, but they had a good go... <laughs> In the words of the late, great Kirstie Alley, they had a good go at it. Thanks for their input on Apple Music <laughs> they Replay. They really did. Um, they gave it a whirl. <laughs> but Spotify Wrapped is still where it's at and they make it better and better every single year um, and more and more of a deep dive into trends and music culture at large, really. Um, so this going to be fun working out our different most streamed songs and then also working out the rest of the world most streamed songs um but before we get into everything i i was sort of trying to do a bit of a lurk on your spotify and see what um really? your top songs of the year were and i couldn't find those but i did find a couple of interesting playlists oh my god are you joking? on your spotify that i wanted to talk about only two that i really am intrigued by so for some reason i don't know how recently but you have added to your to your collection you have added the complete collection of songs by group love to your what? list of playlists. <laughs> it goes co- Where does that come on up? On the Sam Murphy profile on Spotify, it goes Coachella 2019, the best Lana Del Rey songs, which is unsurprising and very on brand. Are and then you? it says Group Love Complete Collection. <laughs> it's your third playlist. It's there. I can't see that. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? It's the third one that comes up. And then I can't see it. <laughs> I'm being played. No, you're not. This is it. This is you. Hang on. That's your photo. That's your photograph. And they're your top three playlists. Show me again. Uh, there. You can see them all in one screen. No, that's not my account. That's you. That's you. Yeah, but that's my. Uh, I don't your, use that account. How does friend, that account have Nick? 44 followers? And then there's another amazing playlist on there that's called My Queensland Out of Office Playlist, and it has t- <laughs> it has two songs on it: <laughs> the acoustic version of My Love by Jess Glynn <laughs> and the acoustic version of Ready for You by Years and Years, and that's the playlist. <laughs> What's- well, I think that's a fabulous out of office. <laughs> That's it's just too too acoustic. I feel like I'm being gaslit. I just I just thought it was in, an interesting indictment, and this is proof that the internet you can't ever fully erase your tracks. You may have a new Spotify account that you use more consistently. Well, for that's clarity, many years ago when I was a poor bitch, I still am a poor bitch, but. Many years ago, I started another Spotify account so that I could get the six months free trial over again. Oh my god! So the the account I currently use is the one that I use for my second free trial. I've now, this was about ten years ago, so don't come. I've now yet. found Pop Sam Cam verified account on um, yes. on Spotify, and it's much more consistent. There's some beautiful artworks that you put with all your playlists. Very interesting. Go and have a look Thank at those. Thank you. There's no freaking group love. <laughs> That one I don't just... mind a bit of group. I every now and then. Take me to your, your best, best friend's, friend's house. house. Loved you then and I loved you now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I should have lurked on yours. You know, the only thing that comes up in friend activity on my Spotify is what you're listening to. So I know when you're preparing for flop stars. You can see me doing my cram listen. <laughs> Did you enjoy The Place to Be by The Scarlet Opera? Oh, can we talk about that song for a second? I only just dis- I know we'll get into Wrapped in a second. That song I found the other day. Have you heard it? Do you know who they are? No. They're just this band no, from no LA idea. that's recently signed to Scooter Braun to SB Projects. So do with that information yeah. what you will. But they sound like the Scissor Sisters reincarnated in 2022 in a queer LA They look pop band. like the Scissor Sisters reincarnated. And they sound like them too, but it doesn't feel too derivative. It feels influenced and inspired. Um, I have listened to that song 15 times in the last week because it's just nuts. The 15 doesn't sound like that much. 
but you know, all right, it's still a I'm going to listen to it. Have a listen to it now while I change over the settings on our Riverside call because it's getting a bit glitchy, and I'll go back to the original settings that it recommended. Give it a quick thirty okay. second listen. Okay, I like this. They sound like um, they sound like Scissor Sisters and Fun. Fun was the one that Zane Lowe said. Fun, fun was the the line that Zane Lowe drew as well, because that's where I heard it on Zane Lowe's show. Um, and a bit of like Mika in there as well, and it's just it's yeah. campy and fun, and the there's a, the bridge is incredible as well. It's a it's a great little tune. Um, but we're not here to do that. We're not here to talk about new music today. We're here to talk about newish music and our rap to the last year. Um, <laughs> I reckon we had two very different Spotify listening habits this year. So who wants to go first? I think we did as well. I'm I'm happy for you to take the reins on this one. Okay. I could not... I think we should each bet... Wait, have you seen my top artist? I, I, I glanced it, but I can't remember. So no, consider that a no. Okay, so I think we should each try and guess what the other's top artist was. I'm going to say your top artist was Beyonce. Because I know you've been rinsing that album. Okay. But I'm not going to tell you until it's okay. my turn. Guess what mine was. I'm going to say your top artist was... <laughs> I have no freaking idea. You have the most random listening habits. I want to say Betty Who. Nah, didn't even make the top five this year. Oh, I wasn't going to tell you, but no, it's not Betty Who. You can have one more guess. Um... <laughs> You won't get it. I don't know. Do I, am I even going to know who they are? This is why I'm not. Well, like... Why don't I go first then? Because I was actually quite surprised. I thought I had a pretty mainstream listening year, but all of my yeah. artists, like the top four are pretty much unknowns. And then I had the 1975 at number five. So I'll quickly rattle them off. It was the 1975 okay. at number five. Surpri- that kind of surprised me. I thought that would be maybe number two or one because I've been rinsing okay. not just the new album, but the new album kept reminding me to listen to the old albums again and just go, over and over and over and as the singles came out I was going on those over and over number four was Isaac Dunbar um this is really yeah so young young pop prints from the states I can't remember whether he's LA or New York or maybe somewhere else um a fascinating character I think you know we were talking about the sort of Mika effect a minute ago um very very up my alley very camp um yeah very camp pop he's great such a little genius he's a he's a kid and he's self-produced um, and, and making some fascinating art. So he's had a really great year. Then it was this band called You Problem, new duo from Australia. They have like three songs out, um, and there was just this one song of theirs that I just rinsed over and over again. My problem is repeat binge listening, and that's how my Spotify rap yeah. has been built. Uh, number two was Cody John, who's a young Australian pop star who's had a really great year just building right. a really nice little playlist. And then number one was Alfie Templeman. The UK pop star. Oh, wow. Yeah. Alfie. Alfie. Young Alfie. So, again, like, relative unknowns to me, and I feel like it's probably going to be the opposite situation for you. <laughs> Absolutely. Nothing reminds me how much of a beige little bitch I am than Spotify wrapped every year. <laughs> Shows you true colours. <laughs> Top genre, pop. You listened <laughs> like the rest of the world did. <laughs> But give me your top five artists, though. Okay, my top five artists is a real. Uh, get your pattern, your pattern pen out, um, because you'll you'll have some artists to discover in this Gross. list. I'm sure. <laughs> At number five, um, an unknown chap out of the UK called Harry Styles. <laughs> cool, good start. Um, at number four. And an even more unknown um, man who's been playing stadiums this year from Canada, The Weeknd. <laughs> Three is probably the most niche act I have on the list, which is saying something, considering it's Charlie XCS. <laughs> Two is Taylor Swift. Oh, my God. Um, and number one is Beyonce. I nailed it! You got it right. I'm so impressed with I that. I want to tell you... I want to tell you a fact that... So, I have never been much of a Swifty. Um, I've always enjoyed her later albums, but I haven't really rinsed her until the pandemic when I think that I went in quite hard. 
And this year I went in even harder because I used to hate Speak Now and Fearless. I used to just not be able to listen to them. Yeah. But I started getting Speak Now and then I, I went into Red and I kept going and kept like discovering more things. Not a single Taylor Swift song appears in my top 100 most played. Really? But she's my number two artist. That is... Which means that I have listened to like the breadth of her discography, but I haven't gone back to anything. Not dug down on well, any Well, I've gone back, song. but not enough. Like there's not a single song that's... Which I think is so interesting. Where do you think this thing started with you getting into her in the pandemic? Was it to do with the re-releases at all? Or do you think it was to do with a particular moment in the new discography letting you know that the past stuff was good as well? I mean, are we talking ever more folklore getting you into her properly? Honestly, I think that I thought I was too cool for her when 1989 and Reputation came out. And I had this thing where I wanted to... Um, criticize her publicly mm. because I thought that was the cool thing to do while I was listening to um, Stormzy and like pe- people like that, you know, to try and pretend that I was cool. But clearly, I'm not given my top five artists. Your top five artist <laughs> this year is a 42 year old soccer mom named Carol. That's your top it artist. It is not. Yes, it it's is giving not. Carol. No, it's not. It's giving Carol. <laughs> 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 it's giving Carol if Carol was a was a man and was <laughs> attracted to other men, I think, which I'm not. All the more confusing. <laughs> it's also giving gay man. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. my story is... Oh, yeah, sorry. I thought I was too cool for it, so I yeah. kind of rejected it. And then Love R, when she released Me and You Need to Calm Down, I thought these are absolute trash and this album's going to be a train wreck. Mm. So I listened to it and I did like a first impression reaction for the interns RIP. And as the songs went on, I was like, this is really freaking good. And I started like getting into the Jack Antonoff production. And then I like really started going deep on all that. So I started going back and then Folklore obviously furthered that and Evermore did. And then Midnight's probably the first album I've gone into with like a true appreciation for her. As a true fan now. It's really funny. So that's my journey. It's a, it's a beautiful journey. One of the great roller coasters. It's very funny with... Um, it's very funny with Lover because I feel like at the time, a lot of people, I think, realised in that moment just how good a songwriter she is. Like, we knew she was good. Yeah. And we knew, you know, there'd been mega hits that are going to stand the test of time forever. But I think when Lover came around, and in particular the title track and a few other songs on that album, I think people started to realise just how much of a legacy as a songwriter she's building. And she's only built on that since, I think. But Lover really was the catalyst, even though at the time it was kind of being panned for songs like me. It was still, once the actual album came out, it it, it kind of did the opposite. It was both her most sort of... Uh, beige and uninteresting and uninspiring project and her most fascinating and and sort of affirming project at the same time, weirdly. Yeah, totally. And I think, too, it was the first album where it wasn't overshadowed by a public, like, something else going on in her celebrity life because, obviously, rep came after the whole Kanye thing, 1989, the Kanye thing was hanging over from the MTV Awards and... And then all her past relationships played a big part in the early albums. But Lover, there was really nothing to pick apart except for the music, Mm. which I think made people really study it in the best way. And Lover's been on our list as an album to do. Um, It was was actually in this season, and I believe we bumped it. So it will come back soon, and we'll we'll talk about it properly. Yeah, it might be a season seven run. Um, Should we talk about top stream songs of the year, and then talk about our music personalities that we've been given? Once again, there's zero chance of me guessing yours. Have a guess at my number one. Do you think I could ever get it? No. Is there a... I reckon you'd never heard this song. Um... It was a song by one of the artists in my top five. Um, I think it was Isaac Dunbar. No. No, I think it was that other band that you were talking about that you said I wouldn't know. 
Correct. You pr- and you rinse that one song. You problem. So it's so because yeah. it, it, it's so funny because it came up like you were um you were one of like like twelve. <laughs> people who had this band as their number one. And I was like, I feel like I'm in a very, very special club. What's the band called They're called again? You Problem. They're called You Problem, which is just a great band name to start with. It's a duo made up of Alistair, who... They look great. They, they look amazing, like proper pop star shit. They, um, Alistair contributes to a, so many different bands and artist projects in Sydney. Um, and Alana is, is a gig machine, is constantly playing shows and stuff but as a duo they are very much in their infancy um but there was just this one song called drunk that came out that just i think was really one of the most perfect pop songs i heard all year it just kind of hit all the right sort of wistful moments i need in a pop song but a real sort of anthemic sing-along chorus it's nothing that's gonna like break the world open and restart music again but it just was a really perfect (laughs) pop song and i think i was needing that when i found it i was um just coming back from your wedding actually in italy back to London and I found this song literally actually uh, you know where I first heard this song this will this will kill you I first heard this song yeah. when I hit uh, download because driving from Sorrento to your wedding with your dad and your brother um, <laughs> the reception kept dying so I downloaded the front left playlist on Spotify and just hit shuffle we were just listening to songs really loud so going around the windy roads of the Amalfi Coast this song came on for the first time and I was like what the fuck is this and I reckon I replayed it in that car trip 25 times and no one noticed and then I replayed it over and over again on every plane trip that I was on for the rest of that journey and I reckon I rinsed it about 150 times in the first sort of two weeks just because it was one of my offline saved songs <laughs> it's so funny. That's amazing. For context, it only has sixty-two thousand streams. Yeah, it's a tiny song, and I'm. You know what? I'm really proud that I'm really pr- weirdly proud that that was my number one. Um, you know, this yeah. has been a year of mammoth releases. You did your I, bit for. Um, I did my bit for local music. Artists. You know, I, I, yeah. I and you know, this has been a year where I really have. You know, I've made an I've made an effort to immerse myself in sort of the music conversation of the bigger releases, which I've kind of shied away from in the past. But, you know, when the Kendrick album dropped, for example, like I immediately had a good, solid fucking listen to that and again and again and again. And I really tried to be a part of the conversation this year on those bigger releases and those bigger artists. And the Beyonce project is another example of that. But my heart, as you would very well know, and as I presume people who listen to this podcast regularly will know, my heart is in the is in the new music space and the, the kids that are coming through and sort of, you know, breaking new ground at the moment. And as much as I say this this song isn't a groundbreaker, it's just nice to see a really solid independent pop project and have it as my most played song of the year. Um, yeah, I think that's admirable. Thanks, you mate. put your money where your mouth is. Well, yeah. I put my Genuinely. Like, yeah. you're not just saying you champion new music and then die. No. All these songs... I mean, I like to say I do, but the stats... The <laughs> <laughs> stats are giving Carol. Um, the quick, the quick run through my top five. So Alfie Templeman, this song called Broken, which is a bit of a stadium kind of anthem, was number five. Number four... Yeah, I know Broken. ...was Chapel Roan, Naked in Manhattan... Great song. Great song. And it was such yeah. a great... Because that came really early in the year as well. And so that was a great yeah. little... In fact, it may have even come... I think it was late last year from memory that that came. I've been naked in Manhattan Yeah, I'm, when I shower. I'm not, I'm not shocked by that. Like, <laughs> if you had somehow been closed the entire three years you'd lived there, I would have been very surprised and a bit worried. <laughs> Your hair does look messy today, though. Um it does look messy, doesn't it? it does. It's quite shagadelic today. Quite shaggy. It is. Yeah. It is. It's all over the place. Um, number three was Cody John, that kid I was talking about a minute ago with a, song, a really yeah. fun song called Becky's Plan. Number two was Cub Sport, the Australian band Always Got the Love. Um, we talked about them a couple yeah. of weeks ago on the pop-in. Right, so. Just They're into this amazing sort of slinky house world at the moment, and it's so much fun. But let's go through your top five, because, you know, for a lot of people, they won't have heard those top five. Go and have a listen to them. Um, the full thing's on my Spotify. Just search for Nick Kelly. What's in your top five? songs <laughs> you will have heard my top five. i thought so <laughs> um my number five is jealousy by fka twigs strong off the capri songs project strong featuring rima who's just incredible and i had a lot of songs from him in my top 100 yeah. number four is break my soul off renaissance which is to be honest not my favorite one but i think because it came out a month before the rest um 
I kind of rinsed it in anticipation of the album, and that's how it ended up there. Number three was Less Than Zero by The Weeknd, which is really? just the best Weeknd song of all time, and it's bonkers that it's not a single yet. Um, number th- two was Cuff It by Beyonce. Sure. And number one was No One Dies From Love by Tuvelu. Wow. See, there were a yeah. few people, there were a shocking amount of people pop up that had No One Dies For Love in their top sort of one to five. And for a relatively new pop song from a relatively new album, that seemed to sneak into a lot of people's... It's cool, isn't it? Top list. I think yeah. it just hit people immediately. Yeah. It's just like me, I was hooked from the minute I heard it. Yeah. I was kind of surprised that that was my number one, to be honest. But I guess it makes sense. It just suited every occasion. Like, I listened to it by myself. I played it at parties. I played it, like, in the background at home. It just, like, slot into everything. And I think that's what end- your number one song ends up being. Yeah. Not necessarily your favourite song of the year. Although that is my favourite song of the year. Yeah. But no- <laughs> Well, that's kind. Of, it's yeah. kind of similar for my number one because it really was a song that wasn't too, st- it, you know, dinner parties or having friends over or being at friends' places and controlling the ox. Like, it, it didn't stand out. You know, it wasn't too loud. It wasn't too in your face. It kind of was a perfect background yeah. song as well as being when I'm AirPods in volume on full, losing my mind to it as well. Well, it, that's what it has to be, doesn't it? Yeah. Because it's like the Kendrick album, I wouldn't be surprised if that didn't show up in many people's most played album because it's quite a heavy yeah. project to listen to all the time. It has to be something that's got like replay value. See, that is the thing with the Kendrick record, isn't it? It, it, was, it was a lean-in moment, that album. And I'm sure we'll talk about this more in the coming weeks, but that, that album was such a sort of stop-everything put your headphones in or turn your stereo up very loud if you have a stereo and yeah. lean into this album and listen to these words and take these words on. That wasn't a passive album. Yeah. And I don't think there's songs you can have on in the background. You know, you can't have a literal three, four minute fight on in the background. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is a full lean in and listen conversation kind of piece. Um, but but yeah. can we talk about Cuff It briefly as well? Um, that to me never stood out as a single on that album. And to the point where even when we started playing it on the radio and even when I started hearing it everywhere, it still didn't stand out to me as a single. But now a couple of months into hearing it rinsed constantly, it makes so much sense as a single. I don't know what I was thinking. I think I just had my, my, I think I had my bets hedged on. Crazy. I think I had my head, my bets hedged on Virgo's Groove as a single. And I think I was just a little bit like annoyed that it hadn't become a single yet. So I was like, fuck, cuff it, get it out of the way. Let's get it done with. But now it makes sense. I get it now. Well, I thought Alien Superstar was the one that was winning the race to be the second single. And I think it was for a bit, but what's uh, cuff it for me? I love, I mean, I loved the whole album immediately, but the cuff it was probably not my favorite at the start. And then I went to a few nights in New York where they just hit play on the album and they played it from start to finish. And the energy in the room when cuff it played was just outrageous. Like nothing I've ever felt before of a song that's that new in a club. And it's for me, I feel like it's the closest she's come to having a song like Uptown Funk or Can't Feel My Face that just gets played at every single wedding. You yep. know, like she's got love on top, but this one's like it just feels so universal. And I just think it's going to be one of those songs that gets played at every single event. Like I know I'm going to be sick to death of this song in five years' time. It's got so much power. Which is power. crazy because. It's not a not a simple song in terms of structure and it doesn't feel like that's the game she's playing at, trying to get it to that status, but that's where it is. Like it gives me goosebumps just thinking about it. That I mean it will get it will be no surprise that Renaissance was my number one um most listened to album of the year. And I just think like one of like I just feel lucky that I've lived at the same time as Renaissance, to be honest. Like, it just gave me everything I needed this year. And those nights, listening to it from start to finish, were just incredible at the end of summer. I mean, one night we went, we heard the album from start to finish. They brought a whole lot of new people into the club and then pressed play on it for a second time. And we were like, oh, I don't know if we can do it a second time. 
but the album has transitions that are just so good that we could like couldn't leave and we just found ourselves there for another like a second run through the album and i wouldn't do that with any other album it is a non-stop four to the floor fiesta and it's quite unbelievable to realize that this is act one of three yeah. That we're getting. Did you see just this week she did like a video appearance at some gala or something? No. And she's wearing a cowboy hat. <gasps> so now people are saying this is her starting to um, tease Act 2 because Act 2 is meant to be the country record. It begins. It's on. Can you imagine? I don't, I don't know how on earth she could top Renaissance. Yeah. I think maybe even she would be surprised with the um, the like... The critical response to it, I guess. Yeah. Because I, I, it's been so overwhelmingly positive. I mean, Pitchfork, it was number one today on their list of best albums of the year. Bang. Which means nothing, but it's there. <laughs> now, we've talked about our... Oh, we need to talk about our music personalities for a second as well. Um, yeah. I'll go first with mine, yeah? So, this will surprise no one, but mine was... The specialist. You're selective with the music and artists you listen to, but you've got lots of love to go around. Once you decide you like an artist, you're all in. And I value familiarity, newness, variety, and uniqueness, which all kind of contradict each other. It's like I like new shit, but I also like familiar stuff at the same time. I think maybe because I was doing so, a lot of dives into, you know, into my my previous year's top songs later on in the year as well. So does that mean like once you lock on to something? I lock onto it hard. Yeah, I find something. So I, I found a lot of new music, but I stayed with it. I didn't just listen to it once. Which absolutely. Which... I just realised that I didn't check my personality. Why not? Now I don't know where to find it. Why'd you not? Oh, time to meet your personality. Yeah, here we go. Drum roll, please. Oh. <coughs> my personality is the early adopter. Oh. You've got your finger on the pulse of new music, always seeking the next hot thing. If a song is trending, you're on it. Bullshit! Your top artists were Taylor Swift. Yeah, but that's because of the sheer amount they release. I had lots of new music in mind. Thank you very much. The great early adopters. Number six was Bam Bam by Camila Cabello. I did like the music personality <laughs> thing this year. It was very interesting. But there are a lot of... It was of, good. They d- there's a lot of reads of me in it. Like, um, what was one? Um, hang on. Oh, I, can't, I can't find it. But, like, every time it, like, commented on what you were like and, like, what, what, what it was like to like one of these artists, it was like, for me, I was like, just call me a faggot. Like, you can do it. You can say the, you can say the word. I know that's what you're trying to say here and you're not quite getting the words out, but it's okay. You can do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, it was... Ours was interesting, but I think even more so was what the global um, streaming habits were this year. And kind of disappointingly, the most streamed 100 songs of the year point to a trend that I've been seeing for a while where it's really difficult for new music to break through now. And I think we've seen it with TikTok kind of reviving these old hits, but also hits are just sticking around so long that it's very difficult for new songs to break through. And I think we've seen it with The weekend this year. Obviously, um, Dawn FM, despite being very good, has really failed to break any song, whereas Save Your Tears was still dominating the charts. And now he's got Die For You off bloody Starboy climbing up the charts because of TikTok. Which is ridiculous. So... Like, Heat Waves by Glass Animals was the number two most streamed song of the year. Stay um, by Justin Bieber and the Kid Leroy was the number three most streamed song of the year. And then we had Bad Bunny um, in four and five and Harry Styles at number one, which is obviously from this year. Mm. But if you look at the top 100, it's quite difficult to spot any songs from this year. Which is insane. It is a little bit difficult to work out whether that is a good or bad thing, though, because... 
what I do like about it is it's allowing songs that maybe didn't get their flowers, that deserve their flowers, a second chance. And that is the kind of the great thing about something like A Die For You, where, you know, it came out in 2016, and it's now getting a good, yeah. ra- a, a good radio run. And, and, you know, I've always been about, like, you know, great music will rise to the top. It will always get there somehow, somewhere. Um, so maybe yeah. there is some benefits in that, but if it's going to be blocking out new music from getting its time in the spotlight, and I suppose as well... You know, you want timeless songs, but the last couple of years, a lot of the new releases have sort of been speaking to a time as well. We've discussed this a lot on the podcast that you've got, you know, there's been a sort of, you know, there's been a lot of songs that make sense in the context of the last couple of years that haven't had a chance to really cut through on the charts. Um, So so that, and that feels like an injustice in itself. I'm just trying to wonder, I just can't figure out why it is that this is happening. I don't know if it's because like labels have too much interaction with streaming now and they can kind of draw out a hit for longer than usual or I I really don't know why because if you look at previous years the top 10 songs from that year usually define that year quite well in terms of they were all released in that year Mm. but this year we're starting to see a real lag um, which is interesting I think and kind of very difficult for hits like Lizzo's About Time to really break through. That song's the 34th most which, streamed song that's of insane. the year. That's insane. Which was, seems crazy because yeah. that's one that defines the year to me. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it felt big. You know, it felt like it was everywhere. Um, but it's not cutting yeah. through in terms of actual sort of sales. Um, as well, I suppose the other thing is there's the conversation to be had around the conversion of streams versus sales and, and what they contribute yeah. towards. Because this conversation happened in Australia around the, the ARIA Awards when the, the voting came out. The, the categories didn't, I suppose, add up to what the conversation felt like at the time because a lot of the... Yeah. Con- the breakthrough category is an example of this. And I spoke about this in, a, in, the, in the newspaper um, because newspapers still exist and so once a year I'll speak to them. Um, <laughs> I spoke about this... The, the new artist category was half populated by contestants from the X Factor and The Voice because yeah. they're so sales driven because the singles come out on iTunes and grocery buyers who are watching those shows and families watching those shows are still buying copies of records. And when you buy something yeah. on iTunes, that's worth 160 streams. So there's still this massive conversation to be had around the difference between the two and whether the monetary value of buying the product, what that actually sort of has to do with the streaming relationship with a song. And Mm. I don't think there is any correct answer on that. It's, you can't obviously do one for one because they're very different sort of intentional. There's different intentions behind them. You know, streaming is a lot more passive. Streaming is a lot more sort of, you know, dipping your toe in the water and then the purchase is a yeah. much more considered thing. But what it's doing is it's not allowing these songs to get to the very top of the, the charts and, and even the streaming charts. I know we're, we're talking about a streaming service at the yeah. moment. Like it's not, it's not then converting back into streaming because the sales figures are so high, they're getting all the awards. It's, yeah, it's a very confusing conversation, particularly in Australia. I think it's a little bit more advanced in the US, but it's, it's definitely tough in Australia yeah. at the moment. It just feels like a particularly muddy time for the charts and... I don't think anybody can predict where things are going. And also, I think music, as much as there are these songs that are having these really long-lasting impacts, that music's becoming, like, more and more disposable in the way that, when I think about it, like, these albums drop and they probably have one or two singles for the big artists like Harry or Taylor or in the case of Taylor, she didn't even drop a single. Mm. And the first single gets such a push and it does something like as it was by Harry Styles has done and and been popular for seven or eight months or whatever. And then it becomes extremely difficult to launch a second single off the album. Whereas back in the day, think of like Teenage Dream or Gwen Stefani, Love Angel, Music Baby, you were getting like seven or eight singles off that album. That would just never happen now. I mean, the closest was probably Dua Lipa with Future Nostalgia, yep. I think. But now, even if you think of the Harry album, I'm like, they've barely been able to launch two songs off it. Same with Lizzo. Which is crazy. Lizzo's had the Same with Lizzo. The and they've been, they've been... And I would say that album's dead in the water now, special. Yeah. Which is just mental. 
It's a di- and then you have to keep up and you have to keep releasing stuff. And that's why Taylor's doing so well because she's meeting that demand. But at what point does, does that crumble? Existential question. <laughs> it's rhetorical. I hope it doesn't crumble. I'm trying to think like who is doing it right? Who is doing it the way that I feel like it should be done right now? I guess Harry in a way. Like he keeps to a pretty traditional like an album every two or three years and then tour it. Yeah. The cycle's there for him. Um, whereas a lot of them, but, but a lot of artists as well, like, I mean, Shawn Mendes was kind of the first big example of this. A lot of them aren't touring at the moment. A lot of them don't want to do the whole thing at once. That's true. And even on a smaller scale, like I was talking to Betty who about this the other week that she felt pressure to put this album. She put out a couple of months ago out and then go straight on tour and take it all around the world. And, you know, Strike while yeah. the iron's hot kind of thing. But then she realised she, yeah. she doesn't have to do that because a lot of the major players at the moment are not doing that. And it, it's not yeah. required. Um, you know, it, it's it's ideal, but it's not required at the moment. And I think fans are more understanding than ever of that as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely an extremely strange time for music. I guess we've kind of taken a little bit of a... um. Detour here, but oh, it's definitely is important in the context of the year. Yeah, <laughs> totally. So let's play a song game where we're going to put up to put up against each other some of the most streamed songs of the year. I've tried to keep the songs as recent as possible, right. but it's not not easy. Flop stars. Um, okay. The song game, putting up the most stream songs of the year up against each other. Uh, we're starting with the streaming king, Harry Styles, entirely. Harry Styles, as it was, versus Harry Styles' late night talk. So we're talking the most streamed song of the year, which I want to give it its flowers as well. To have a main, like just a sort of mainstream pop song, number one, it, after yeah. so many years of it being a hip-hop song, I'm not trying to say that that's a bad thing, in fact, it's probably it's a very good thing. It's just kind of cool that like this juggernaut of a pop song managed to outdo it all. Um, I it's crazy. I'm actually just looking at the most streamed songs, and the first hip hop song is probably Little Nas X and Jack Harlow with "Industry Baby." That's insane. There's maybe two or three on the whole list. That's insane. That which five years ago it would have been entirely hip hop. That's done me. Industry Baby. Like, yeah. you don't think of that as being the mo- the biggest, you know... Hip-hop song. Hip-hop moment. I guess it is. Yeah. Um, back to the Hasler, though. This is a toughie, because I think Late Night Talking, when I first heard it, I found it more interesting than As It Was, but As It Was has continued to age just so amazingly. It's such a classic pop song um, that now it's kind of no-brainer. Shout-out to the sort of, um, the sort of, like, church bells in the last chorus, I think... Ah, oh, the best part. The best part. So, yeah, as it was for yeah. me. Okay. Yeah, it's this is a difficult one because I've heard as it was to death, whereas yeah. I probably heard late night talking less. But I feel like I just gravitate to late night talking a little more. It's a little sunnier for me. And I do think as it was met the moment of being like that post-pandemic kind of haze of, confusion while wanting to sort of break out and i think in that way it was the perfect lead single from the album but in terms of what i'm going to go back to more it's late night talking for me the next one is dua leaper and elton john with Penal cold heart versus doja cat's woman this is probably the hardest one of the lot um cold heart just nailed the brief I mean, kudos to Elton for reviving so many of his songs and so much of his catalogue in what I really think is is not a cash grab kind of way. It, that, these have been moments, this and Hold Me Closer have been moments that I think we needed, um, you know, yeah. and, and I think have just been so elegantly done. And shout out to Pinyao on Cold Heart as well, who just, I think, just got that production perfect, got that sunny feeling into it and... And Dua just sounds immaculate on that song. Um, I really think it's a stroke of genius from some already perfect melodies. Um, but Woman, whew, you walk into a club and Woman's on. I mean, it's yeah. it's just a it's a heater. 
it's a heater. This is such a tough one. I think I'm just going to have to go cold heart because I'm, I'm kind of basing this off the same thinking as the Harry Styles thing. Like, um, my thinking is it's been rinsed so much. I've heard it a thousand times, but I still think it fucking slaps. So I'm going to have to go with that. What do you reckon? (laughs) Yeah, it is a hard one. Cold Heart, the day it came out, I wrote it off straight away. Yeah. I was like, dumb beat, using an old song, absolute like cash grab from Dewar and Elton, silly. And then as it kept going, kept going, and kept getting more popular, I was like, there's just something about this. Like there's, there's some magic in this. That just keeps giving. And I'm not quite sure what it is, but I like it now. And then when she did it at her show as well, I was like, God, it's just, there's just something in this song that I just can't explain. And now I love it. I think it's, it's very deserved of its longevity. Doja Cat's Woman, I totally agree with you on. It's just, just hits immediately. And Doja is just one of the most fascinating pop stars out there right now and I just cannot wait for this next album I think that she's got like such a work ethic down now and I think she's got such ambition that she didn't have at the beginning of her career that she's absolutely gonna smash it out of the park too and I love seeing this like rapper pop star come through that's inspired by Nicki Minaj and Lady Gaga and like all the eccentric pop stars of the 2010s who really made music exciting and woman packages that all into one um shows her like appreciation for afrobeat as well like it's just a perfect song so i I think i'll go woman on this one and i'll completely respect you on that because i wasn't too far off it um yeah wow wow okay well, I, th- I feel we did well, giving them both their flowers We did, there. yeah. They both deserve it. And you're right about... I hadn't really thought about the Afrobeat thing with, with, with Woman, but that is one of the best uses of Afrobeat in a, in a major pop song of the last few years. It's so solid. Yeah, I've been waiting for it to kind of uh, come into the mainstream more and more, and it has a little bit with people like Burner Boy, yeah. but, and, and I guess also CK too with that... Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, that song that kind of went... Beautiful rendition. A bit viral. Well, and there was the Ed... Yeah. There was the Ed and Kid as well. And I was going to say, like, Peru was one of the biggest songs of the year oh, in the yeah, UK. Peru. And obviously that's a big Afrobeat moment as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, so there's a few. But I guess not so many of, like, um, pop stars that aren't technically Afrobeat artists incorporating it yeah. into their own music. No, you're right. Um, anyway, going on a Latin tip for a little bit. Um, the most streamed artist of the year globally, Bad Bunny, with Titi Mi Pregunto... Please excuse my pronunciation. Versus Faruco Pepper. So I think my pronunciation again. I hadn't heard that Faruco song before, but you said that's been massive where you are, right? Blasting out of car windows massive Nuts. here. Every single club you go into, it's playing. It's so funny with Latin. But I guess Latin music has much more of a hold here than it does infinitely more in Australia. It's got. It's- I mean, if you look at the top tracks in Australia this year, um, Bad Bunny didn't make the list. That which is insane, and that shows Outrageous. the massive and obvious disparity between our two countries. Um, yeah, like like Latin music is very much still a niche here. It's still appreciated, but I mean, the last Latin song that was on the radio was fucking Despacito. So, <laughs> which is crazy. I can't believe Bad Bunny hasn't broken through no. like that. To me, shows some ignorance on the part of the label, whoever's doing Bad Bunny here. Sorry, um, they're listening. It, it's Warner. I, I know um, that there's not I've as many. La- shirt, uh, there's so. not as many. Sp- Huh? It's Warner. I've got them on my shirt today. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's not as many Spanish speakers in Australia as there is in the US, obviously. But like, but the music's on. transcendent. You know, yeah. I listen to ba- I listen to a Bad Bunny song, and and it's the same with someone like a Burner Boy. I mean, if we're talking about global music that that you know has a very distinct you know location base to it. This is yeah. the whole fucking point of music. It's meant to be transcendent. Totally. And it's meant to be a universal language. And for me, those records have been universal. And one that really... There was another Latin artist that really um, stood out to me this year, which was Anuel Dubla R, um, who... I, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just amazing. Yeah. And those songs as well. And, like, hearing him speak about them and then hearing the records, like, 
that's an artist who transcend. You don't need to know the language to understand the feeling and the emotion in it. And I suppose the same no. is the same with Rosalia. And and there's so many examples of artists that are doing music. And, and you know, let's talk about the Korean music as well. I mean, this is the whole thing. Like it's it's not to do. I don't think with the Latin thing. It's it it, yeah. it should be cutting through. You're absolutely right. And I don't quite understand why there is such this disparity between. Um, our two countries, but you know there are an enormous amount of bad buddy f- fans here still, an enormous amount of people yeah. flying the flag for Latin music. It's in just Australia. funny that that radio is not. Pla- I mean, even Black Pink's missing from yep. the list. Um, BTS is missing from the list. Like, yeah. it's showing that there's a f- there's some people who are reluctant well, to take risks. I can tell anyway. you on the I can tell you from the radio side that that's absolutely true and that music on the yeah. radio has gotten safer and safer every year um, at least in Australia. Yeah. Um, because the Just... amount of people listening to radio has dried up so they're going for familiarity and going for simple and I'm a part of the problem. Um <laughs> Well, take a risk because I feel like these bad... I mean, I'm not a Spanish speaker at all, but this Bad Bunny album was my second most listened to album of the year. Exactly. Um, I just think, yeah, it's transcendent. And this song in particular took over the summer here and was just such a moment. And there's like probably 10 or 11 moments on that album, to be honest, that did. But like... Come on, Bad Bunny's had a phenomenal year and like it's, it's so cool to watch. Yeah, it's easily Bad Bunny for me. This Faruko song's great fun, but it, it's giving 2009 and it's giving clubs that I don't want to be in. <laughs> that's why it would go off in Australia. I know, like, yeah. That's the energy that they would actually gravitate towards. It would be, I'm also going Bad Bunny. It would be but... played at a singles night at home nightclub Darling Harbour. In in Sydney, hundred percent with um with guys with a couple of drink driving charges wearing chinos, <laughs> all dancing around with fresh buzz cuts. That's where that I is a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Get me away. <laughs> Power to them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the final matchup is Camila Cabello's Bam Bam versus Lizzo's About Damn Time. Is that seriously Bam Bam? In the top 100 of this year. Yes, it's higher than about damn time actually. Insane. Why? I don't know. It just feels like what's it was your a, issue? It just, it's, I don't have an issue. It's a fine song. I'm absolutely fine with it. I just. It's the 25th most streamed song of the year, above Jack Harlow's First Class. And when did it come out? Uh, oh, this year. Okay, that's fair. For some reason, I have yeah. that in my head. It's coming out years ago. Um, don't worry about any of that then. <laughs> Yeah, great song. Uh, I think um, when I first listened to the, the Camilla album in total, Bam Bam makes so much sense on it. And I think I really appreciated it in that moment. Yeah. I, lo- I think the chorus is so beautiful. Um, and, and it really sort of, you know, it, it, you know, the Latin flavor we were talking about a minute ago, I mean, it really brings that, that through to the mainstream. It probably was one of the most mainstream sort of yeah. Latin-inspired songs of the it's year. It's Latin music for dummies, this one. Pretty much, yeah. It's like Latin I mean, Ed light. Sheeran has a way of acting as a sort of bridge for idiots to understand d- any music that has some the dummy enabler. cultural touchstone. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we talked about Peru a minute ago. I mean, that's Ed Sheeran. It's exactly. <laughs> Afrobeat for dummies. Ed Sheeran's back. <laughs> he also managed to collaborate with H and translate being a Northern English person into... Mainstream. Um, there you go. The great translator Ed Sheeran. It's a tough because Lizzo is is Lizzo made so much sense this year. The song's fantastic. It's joyous. I think it was the perfect first single. I just don't know whether it's got staying power, and I feel like Bam Bam might have a bit mm. of staying power. I don't think it's a massive difference, but I'm going to go with Camilla. Yeah, I think I feel exactly the same way, actually. Bam Bam somehow was my sixth most streamed song of the year. <laughs> I thought you were joking when you said that. No, I wasn't. Bam it Bam was. was your sixth most streamed song of the year. Yeah, it had a lot of a lot of staying power in this household. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it was about. It's just infectious, and I loved the Camilla album. Um, so, and so is COVID. Yeah, Doesn't mean it's good. All right, you chose it. You went with Bam Bam. That's a good point. Should be backing it in. Over Lizzo. <laughs> what are you going yeah, with? I'm going with 
So I'm going with Bam Bam. Right. This is a shit song game anyway. It's not even our fault. <laughs> it's your fault for streaming all this crap. <laughs> Just some of the songs that are in here. Like, oh my, oh my lordy B. And we're not, um, we're not purists or anything. We don't expect much from, I mean, especially from your bloody listening habits. I'm not expecting much variety in there, but... Um, There's plenty of variety in my <laughs> listing habits. Thank you very much. <laughs> You're taking it off the five songs. There was lots of new artists in there. There was. Well, and you know what's know, funny? When you, when you take Glamorous off. by Fergie, well, number 57. When you take off my top five songs, <laughs> that's where it all gets quite um, mainstream. Actually, that's a lie. My top 20 are all pretty much independents. Um, probably the most mainstream person in my top 50 was Steve Lacey. Um, these words by Natasha Bedingfield was number forty nine. I think that's probably my biggest surprise <laughs> of the year. <laughs> um, and April in Paris by Billie Holiday somehow snuck in there. So thanks, <laughs> thanks to everyone involved in that. Um, All right, I want to play a game. Oh, you've got another game with this. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's called um, Who Had the Highest Katy Perry Song? <laughs> okay, great. Okay, great. Um, let's have a look. You. She's not there for you. No. <laughs> so, you've you've you have been quite critical of my list, but I will say this: nearly every single song in my top one hundred every year is from the year that it was. Like I generally don't go back to old music, which is why I am early adopter, I'm an influencer, what early adopter. Yeah. Um. But there is one song every single year since it's released that appears in it at number 99, its lowest position since it was released. Never Really Over by Katy Perry. Yes! Yes! Justice for NRO! Apart from Glamorous by Fergie, it's the only old song in the list. (laughs) <laughs> and it deserves to be there. And on that note, that is the perfect way to wrap up raps for 2022, I think, because that's what it's all about. Yeah. Getting Katy Perry because never really never over really in there because it's never really over. So true. I'm start. I'm going to get it up higher next year. I'm going to try to get it to number one. Um, love to know what your um, tops were. Hit us up at Flop Stars Podcast. Next few weeks are going to be about whittling down the greatest and worst pop music moments of 2022. So we're done with the album reviews for the year, as Sam said at the start of the podcast. So next few weeks are going to be about diving into the year that was and dissecting it with a stick. Um, and you can go back, yeah. of course, on all the album reviews that we've done so far. And we'll catch you. It'll be fun. We've done a bit of it today. Yeah. But there's plenty more to unpack. A deep I mean, we haven't necessarily done our best songs of the year. We've only done the ones that got exactly. played a lot. Um, we haven't gone through the worst moments of the year. I've actually made a compilation of your worst moments on the podcast that I'll play next week. A little montage together. <laughs> Hit them all at once. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's get out of here. Farewell. And we'll see you next week. Bye, friend. Will we see you next week? Is that what yeah, we're doing? we'll do next week. If you can do next week, I can do next week. It's up to you. I can do next week. Okay. We'll see you next week. We'll be live week. from North Carolina. It feels like we're like at the end of term and the teacher doesn't give a shit I anymore. I know, and it's kind of And refreshing. we're allowed to watch movies after th- after 2 p.m. Except we are both the teacher and there's the student. A- yeah, but there's like a... I feel loose. I feel like we can do whatever we want. Yeah. I feel like we could just talk for another hour about the World Cup. I mean, no. <laughs> you were watching the World Cup. I saw that. You were watching the Australia game. I, found that I very was comical. watching it. I found that very comical. <laughs> what did you do when Australia scored towards the end? What did you do? It was very exciting for that moment. I was bored for the rest of it, what, but it was exciting. What was your expression that. like? Show me your, your soccer goal expression. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you bullied me this whole episode. I'm not used to it. It's usually the other <laughs> exactly. way around. Tables are I'm going to go and listen to my basic little music. Go put Taylor Swift on, hun. I'll talk to you next week. I will. I will. Go put a nice cardigan on. Sit down with a good glass of box wine. A bottle. All right. All right. That was good. <laughs> Bye. See ya. Talking, can't get you off from all this late night talking.